0: Good morning, church. It's a joy to share with you from God's Word this morning. My name's C.T. I'm one of the pastors here at Woodside Romeo, and we're continuing our series this morning through the 119th Psalm. That's where we've been the last few weeks, Psalm 119, and we'll be in verses 89 through 96. So if you have a Bible and want to follow along there, if you crack it open right in the middle, You'll probably hit the Psalms. If uh, you see the book of Job, you need to go just a little to the right. If you see Proverbs, Isaiah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, come back to the left. But the book of Psalms is right in the middle, and we are in chapter 119, verses 89 through 96. But before I dive in, I want to remind you all that next Sunday, we're offering the first class of our Next Steps Pathway Sessions it's gonna be held at the 1130, during, uh, 1130 service during this service downstairs. And if you've been attending Woodside Romeo, if you consider this your church home, but you haven't plugged in to a neighborhood group or you haven't taken the next steps of membership or committing to be baptized, the Next Steps class is an opportunity for you to learn about all of those things and to begin to connect with the body of Christ in ways that go beyond Sunday morning and to living a life connected to the mission and the purpose for God's church in the world. So next Sunday at the 11:30 service and you can sign up for it at the next steps desk in the lobby after the service is over. Okay, the 119th Psalm, we're in verses 89 through 96, and this psalm is a celebration of God's word. It's a celebration about how precious God's word is to his people. And so we've been studying this psalm over the last few weeks so that we could be instructed on how God's word, this precious word, can transform our lives. And that's what we're continuing to do this morning, verses 89 through 96. I'll read all eight verses for us. Brothers and sisters, hear the words of our God. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth, and it stands fast. By your appointment, they stand this day. For all things are your servants. If your law had not been my delight... I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. I am yours. Save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked lie in wait to destroy me, but I have considered your testimonies. I have seen a limit to all perfection. But your commandment is exceedingly broad. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Our Father, here we are, your children gathered in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so we pray that you would come and by your Holy Spirit speak truth and love into our hearts so that we could be transformed into his likeness. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Five Super Bowl titles, three most valuable player awards, multi million dollar contracts, hundreds and thousands of fans, and a supermodel wife to boot. Many of you may know that I'm referring to Tom Brady the greatest quarterback in NFL history. And don't argue with me about this, okay? It is absolutely true. He is the greatest. And Tom Brady has it all, doesn't he? Popular, talented, wealthy, influential, sex appeal, right, ladies? You know he's a good-looking dude. That's why he's in those cologne commercials, stuff like that. Tom Brady has it all. What else could he want? What else could be added to this man's life so as to increase his enjoyment of it? And that's what makes this 60 Minutes interview with Tom Brady so fascinating to me. I was hoping to show you guys this clip, but because of copyright stuff, I'm unable to do so. But if you go on YouTube and search Tom Brady 60 Minutes, you'll probably find the minute and a half clip that I'm referring to. But several years ago, The CBS news show, 60 Minutes, interviewed Brady, and the interviewer starts off by listing all of Brady's achievements, similar to the way I just did. And then he says to Brady, this is what you've always wanted. Brady agreed and said, yes, these accomplishments are what I've given my life to. But then Brady continued... Why do I have all these Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is set. But me, I think, God, it's got to be more than this. The interviewer replied, well, what's the answer? Brady responded, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. Tom Brady has it all. But if you watch that video, you can hear the longing in his voice. And despite having every earthly good we could imagine, you can still sense this unsettledness in his spirit. So where will we find stability in life? Where will we find a solid foundation upon which to build our lives? Money and power and popularity and achievements and sex and material possessions and intellectual genius and artistic ingenuity and athletic ability, there's got to be more than this. All these earthly goods and enjoyments, but it's never enough on its own. And so the psalmist says in verse 96, I read it a moment ago, the psalmist says, I have seen a limit to all perfection. He says, I've seen wisdom, I've seen good looks, I've seen power, I've seen riches. But there is a limit to all this perfection. It doesn't last. Its satisfaction fades. It's never enough. So where will we find stability in life? Where can we find a solid foundation? upon which to build our lives. Well, the declaration of Psalm 119, verses 189 through 96, is this. The stable life delights in the eternal word. The stable life delights in the eternal word. That's where we find stability, in the eternally stable word of God. And so let's see how the psalmist presents this truth to us. Look again at verse 89. The psalmist starts out, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. So the writer declares, God's word is settled. It is fixed in the heavens. And biblically speaking, the stability of the heavens contrasts with the instability and uncertainty of earthly life. Life on earth is full of ups and downs. Our health fluctuates. Financial success comes and goes. Our relationships can be shaky, if not totally unpredictable. Our dreams are fulfilled, but then sometimes not so much. Earthly life is this seesaw of highs and lows. But heaven is secure. Heaven, Scripture repeatedly tells us, is where the throne of God resides. Heaven is free from the topsy-turvy effects of sin. That's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, he says, Lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves cannot break in and steal. Moth and rust and thieves have access to our earthly goods, but treasure in heaven is secure from these things. And so the psalmist celebrates, forever, O Lord, your word is fixed in the heavens. That secure, unchanging, stable place is where the word of God resides. The prophet Isaiah, he famously put it this way, Isaiah chapter forty verses six through eight. He said this, all flesh is like grass and all its glory is like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. The stable life delights in the eternal word. And as Christians, we believe that the stable life delights In Jesus, Jesus is, the Gospel of John tells us, the Word of God made flesh. Jesus is the perfect example. He is the embodiment of God's Word that gives us stability. The stable life delights in the eternal Word. The stable life delights in Jesus. And so the psalmist continues, Verses 90 through 91. He says this Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands fast. By your appointment they stand this day, for all things are your servants. So the Lord God, ruling from his eternal throne, spoke all of creation into existence. We saw this in Genesis 1 that we studied last fall. But not only did God's word bring about creation, the psalmist says here that God's sovereign word continues to stabilize and hold creation together. By your appointment... Heaven and earth stand this day, and one generation after the next experiences the faithfulness of God in that He established the earth, and it stands fast. Our earth is stable because God's eternal Word stabilizes it. So where will we find stability in this life? In the midst of all the uncertainties and all the unpredictability, where can we find a foundation upon which to build our lives? Listen to the psalmist testify. When all the earthly support that he had eroded away, listen to his testimony. Verse 92, if your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Anybody else got that testimony? The weight of my pain, my afflictions crushing me, all that uncertainty, all that unpredictability. But in your law, I delighted, and God's word centered me. It gave me peace. Mike Schultz is one of my favorite people in this church. Mike and Sharon were a part of the crew that helped me and my family move in just over a year ago, and so I've gotten to to know him for a while. And you probably know Mike if you've ever attended an 830 service, because Mike greets at the front door for the 830 service every Sunday. He's wearing his Vietnam vet hat, and he usually has a nice blazer on with a Star Wars t-shirt underneath it. He's an awesome guy. And I asked Mike for his permission to share some of his story. For the last seven to eight years, Mike has lived with a diagnosis of stage four cancer, stage four prostate cancer, a type of cancer that he's told is incurable. Gratefully, Mike has made it this long, even with such a severe diagnosis, however, Recently, his doctor found another spot on one of his major organs. So Mike has especially been in and out of the doctor lately. They've told him chemo is likely, and this could be deadly serious. And so Mike has been checking in with me a lot because I coordinate our hospitality volunteers, our greeters and ushers and so forth. So he's checked in to let me know that, hey, I might not be able to greet for a while because this chemo could do a number on me. And I remember it was just a few Sundays ago, standing in the corridor, headed out to the parking lot. Mike shared that with me. And I just said, Mike, I am so sorry. Our staff meets on Wednesdays and we will pray for you. But man, this sounds terrible. And Mike just looked at me with the same joy and kind-heartedness and peace that he always does. And he said, oh, it's okay. I got Jesus, man. I got Jesus. Guys, it's not money, it's not accomplishments, it's not good looks, it's not popularity that's gonna save Mike, or me, or you from being crushed by our afflictions. It is the stable word of God, the word of God made flesh, Jesus. The stable life delights in the eternal word. So I want to share three directions from the text if you want to delight in the eternal word. Three directions from this section of the psalm if you want to delight in the eternal word. First, fix God's Word on your mind. Fix God's Word on your mind. Look again, verse 93. The writer says, I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. So God's Word, God's precepts, are not just a Sunday morning experience for Him. As important as corporate worship is, He says, I will never forget your precepts. Morning, evening, night, Monday through Saturday, at school, at work, at home, in the car, on social media, with friends, with family, when I'm alone, I will never forget your precepts. Your life giving word fills my mind and my heart always. And oh man, how much life have we received through the word made flesh, Jesus. The eternal Word offers us eternal life. So let's fix our mind on Him who is our delight. You know, growing up, I wasn't much of a reader. I just struggled. Uh, I read real slow, and I would zone out, and so I'd lose track of the story. But I had a passion for Auburn University football. Okay, so Auburn is this university in Alabama, and they have a football team, if you don't know. I delighted in this team. And so you know what I did read? The sports page of the Birmingham News. I would tear through that thing and cut out all the articles that had to do with Auburn's team, and the Athlon Sports preseason media guide it was this thick magazine with info on all the teams and players I knew all of Auburn's players where they went to high school their hometowns their height and weight and I delighted in these guys and it was like this back and forth as I delighted in the team I fixed my mind on whatever I could read about them and as I fixed my mind on whatever I could read about them I delighted in them even more And so in this way, I increased my passion and delight in this team by fixing my mind on whatever I could read about them. Well, it's the same way with Jesus and our relationship with Him. Won't you delight in Him who is so worthy Delight in His sacrificial love, cherish His grace, glory in His power, rejoice in His wisdom. And as you delight in Him, fix your mind on His truth so that you'll delight in the Savior even more. Now, maybe you're thinking, okay, so how do I do that? Like, what strategies has God provided for me to fix His truth on my mind? So here I'd say the two most standard strategies the Bible lays out for us to fix our mind on His Word, the two most common ones that the Bible almost assumes, first is attending to the regular preaching of God's Word, gathering for the public reading and proclamation of the Scriptures, which is what you're doing right now, great, And hopefully each week as you join us, you will hear compelling, biblically rich sermons that fix your mind and fill your heart with God's truth. And the second, the second most standard way for fixing our minds on God's Word is through song, listening to and singing songs that are full of biblical truth. So think of it the longest book in the Bible, by far, is a book of songs. We call them psalms because that's the Hebrew word for it. Now, why would God go out of His way to create this long book of devotional songs? It's because He knows the power of music. The rhythm and the melody and the pattern of music, it has a unique ability to impress upon our minds what we are singing. And so when we sing God's truth, we're utilizing this special power of music to fix our minds on God's Word so that we might not ever forget His precepts and we might delight in His eternal Word. So I want to give you a few suggestions Based on my perfect musical preferences. (laughs) The first is Elevation Worship. Elevation Worship. It's a group of musicians out of a church in Charlotte, North Carolina, and they sing passionate songs full of God's truth. Elevation Worship. Search for them on Spotify or YouTube, wherever you listen to your music. A second group I'll suggest is Sovereign Grace. Sovereign Grace is a favorite in my household. Meg and the boys love them. And they're from Louisville, Kentucky, a group of musicians there, and they really sing modern-day hymns. So songs that are just rich in biblical doctrine, inflaming our hearts and informing our minds about God's truth. Elevation Worship, Sovereign Grace. And then a favorite around here, uh, Kip's favorite, if, if you go by how often we sing his songs, is Christian Stanfield. Christian Stanfill, and it's Christian with a K. Um, He's a godly man with a loving family. He serves a church in Atlanta, uh, but he sings beautiful songs that will stir your heart and fill your mind with God's Word. But guys, whatever your preferences, there is Christ-centered rap and hip-hop. There is Christ-centered bluegrass and everything in between. Whatever your preferences, let's fix our minds on God's word so that we might delight in his eternal word. Fix God's word on your mind. And secondly, seek God's word for deliverance. Seek God's word for deliverance. Look again at verses 94 through 95. The psalmist writes, he sings, actually, which I will not do for you now, but just so you know. I am yours. Save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked lion wait for me, but I consider your testimonies. So when the diagnosis comes, when the financial collapse hits, When our loved one goes too soon, when our friend betrays us, whatever trial we are going through, it can be tempting to give in to despair. It can be tempting to embrace bitterness or anger. It can be tempting to give up on life, to give up on God, on ourselves. But this psalmist, he sounds a lot like Mike, doesn't he? I got Jesus, man. The psalmist says it this way, I am yours. And so he reminds himself about who he belongs to. Your testimonies I consider. Your precepts are what I seek. And so he's able to not be undone by his suffering. He finds hope and he seeks God's deliverance. So what is it for you this morning? struggling marriage, family strife, fears about the future, or regrets over the past. Whatever it is for you, the psalmist's testimony, and our friends Mike, his testimony, and most importantly, Jesus' own testimony prove there is deliverance. The suffering of Jesus was physically and spiritually and psychologically gruesome, the worst we could imagine. But God's Word proved faithful, and He raised Jesus to new life, and His new life is our new life. There is hope. Fix God's Word on your mind. Seek God's Word for deliverance. And third, enjoy God's Word as true freedom. The third direction for delighting in God's Word, enjoy His Word as true freedom. So once more, verse 96, the psalmist says, I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. So the psalmist claims, I have seen the best the world has to offer. I've seen men pursue freedom through wealth. They thought, Man, if I can have all the money in the world, I'll be free to get whatever I want. But there's a limit to that freedom. And the promise of wealth doesn't hold up. And so he says, I've seen men pursue freedom through pleasure. They thought, man, if I can rid myself of all moral constraints, I'll be free. To pursue pleasure physically, sexually, psychologically, doing whatever I want. I'm free. If it feels good, do it. But the psalmist says there's a limit to that supposed freedom. And the promise of sensual pleasure doesn't ultimately hold up as the foundation for our life. So he says, I've seen men pursue freedom through power. They thought... If I can gain influence, if I can gain control, I'll be free to fulfill my agenda, my plans, my dreams, because I'm the boss. But the psalmist says there's a limit to that kind of freedom. And the promise of power ultimately fades into the ash heap of eternity. One triumphant king rises and another falls. One powerful president ascends, and another sinks. And history marches on, leaving these leaders behind. There is a limit to all earthly perfection. But your commandment is exceedingly broad. Now, that's an interesting way to put it. What does he mean by God's commandment being exceedingly broad? Why is that the contrast with the fake freedoms that I just mentioned? Well, as we all know, winter has been upon us for like six years. (laughs) And we have all been constrained indoors. We've been forced to stay inside in this limited place by our heater's And fireplaces. For so long, our freedom has been limited by the walls of our homes because it is freezing outside. But over the last week, things have started to change, and I can see my lawn again. I forgot what it looks like. I was like, do we live here? This is our yard. It's been so long. Now that the ice and snow have melted, the sun has appeared, and we are free. We now have this exceedingly broad place to move around, to run, to play golf, to throw frisbee, to go on walks. We're free. I love this broad place called outside. Wow. It's been so long. The freedom of spring and summer. The psalmist says, I've seen a limit to all earthly perfection. Money, sex, power, drugs, achievement, popularity, looks like freedom. But there's a limit. And in the end, it always leaves us empty. But your commandment is exceedingly broad. Living in and living by God's Word, that's where true freedom is found. And what a paradox. Your commandment is exceedingly broad. Commandments are things that put constraints on us normally, but God's commandment is exceedingly broad. God's commandment is where we find this freedom. How? Because He is our Creator. He designed life. He knows the way we were meant to live, and He made us to flourish, to thrive. And so, when we live life in line with God's Word, that is true freedom. Enjoy God's Word as true freedom and delight in the eternal Word, the stable life. Think of that contrast. Think of the contrast between Tom Brady and Mike Schultz. And I don't want to bash Tom Brady. I like him. I am not a hater. I'm hopeful he's a good man and I cheer for him. I'm hopeful he's found hope in the Lord since that interview. But think of the contrast between Tom Brady and Mike Schultz. On a human level, there's no comparison. Hardly anyone could stack up against Brady, physically, financially, fame, all the achievements. But I will take Mike's place any day. Though his body fails him, that man has true freedom. That man has a stability of soul that is priceless because Mike delights in the eternal word made flesh, the Lord Jesus. I'll take Mike's spot any day. He's got Jesus. So where will we find stability in life? Where can we find a solid foundation upon which to build our lives? Jesus says in John chapter 8, he says to his disciples, he says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said this, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Friends, Jesus came that we might have life abundantly. Jesus came that we might have freedom like the world can't offer Jesus came that we might have a stable foundation for life. He is the eternal, life-giving Word of God. Come hell or high water. Come hell. Come cancer. Come temptation. Come disappointments. Come death. Come death. We got Jesus. We got the eternal Word of God who stabilizes us like nothing else. Won't you claim him for yourself? Won't you own him as the psalmist does? I am yours. Save me. Make him the stabilizing center of your life, and let's delight in him who is the eternal word made flesh, Jesus. May it be so. Let's pray. Our Father, we come to you this morning and sing with joy. We sing with joy in the face of pain and disappointment. We sing with joy in the face of cancer and sickness. We sing with joy in the face of death itself because we got Jesus. We know him who is the resurrection and the life. We know him who came to give his life as a ransom for many. We know him who is the way, the truth, and the life. And so once you come, Father, and in this place, stir our hearts, touch our lips, that we might declare your praise as never before. Move in us, God, so that we might make him our center and we may experience the good life, the stable life that we were meant for. We pray in the name of him who is the eternal word, him who is our life and our freedom, the Lord Jesus, amen. Friends, let's stand and sing this anthem and own it for yourself, the new life that Jesus offers us. Claim him our savior. Let's sing.